Hey peeps, this is Fernie, your resident psychic, medium, and spiritual teacher, and you're listening to Fernie Unfiltered, where we dive into topics that enlighten, inform, and entertain the soul. So last week, I had a very special guest on my podcast show. I was able to interview Ia, who is a very talented singer and musician, but she is also very connected in her own immediate life. She's the granddaughter of Sylvia Brown, the world-renowned Sylvia Brown, the psychic who's become um viral like in the last few weeks because of a prediction that she made go over to that video you can click on it from my uh, youtube channel you can also check out my podcast just go to my website fernandomoron.com and everything is there for you so let's talk about Sibio Brown's prophecy and why she is getting so much attention. Sibio Brown is a world-renowned psychic who reached the height of her career during the 90s with regular appearances on The Montel Show, Larry King Live, People Are Talking, Art Bell, and many others. She was the first psychic to really go mainstream and stay relevant for more than a decade in the entertainment industry. What RuPaul did for the drag queen world, Sylvia did for the psychic medium world. She was even the first psychic to have two pay-per-view specials back before streaming services existed. Sylvia Brown was also a widely recognized figure in her industry, the very first psychic medium in Hollywood, alongside legends such as John Edwards, James Van Prague, George Anderson, John Holland, Yuri Geller, and several others. There was no shortage of A-list celebrities who she had as clients, which included federal agencies. She was also no stranger to controversy and had very public confrontations, including one with self-proclaimed skeptic The Amazing Randy, who turned out to be a con artist per his own documentary. Whether you loved her or hated her, she was beloved by millions around the world, and it's hard to refute the fact that she had to be doing something right to stay that famous for that long. The incidents that led to the decline of her fame centered around some inaccurate statements she made regarding a missing persons case on national television. Despite these very painfully public faux pas, she continued on in her work and maintained an appointment waiting list several years long. So let's dive into Sylvia coronavirus or COVID-19 prediction in her book End of Days. You can find this entry in chapter 7 titled The End of Days Through My Eyes. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived. Attack again 10 years later and then disappear completely. Lucky guess, right? This is a pretty incredible and intense uh, prediction because this is not just something general that is being said like, you know, you know, in the in the next decade, there's going to be illness and there's going to be more flu like illnesses like that's a general statement. But to nail it on the head with the exact year that this mysterious flu like illness, which everybody keeps comparing this illness to the flu, um, 
for her to just nail it like that is pretty incredible. Now, I am I'm hoping that she's right because a lot of people are freaking out about this. I've been freaked out actually for several months um in my own head and energetically. Um and I've been trying to get myself prepared for this since January because I just felt this this wasn't going to turn out well. Um and so now everybody's starting to panic buy and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um people are very confused. They don't know who to believe. You got the government saying one thing You've got other people in the government saying another thing. You've got the media um, saying another thing. And then you've got people who are just kind of stepping all over each other. Too many damn cooks in the kitchen, in my opinion. Whether you agree with any of those things or whether you realize this is a serious issue or not doesn't really matter because just based off of what is happening right now, what we're all seeing, it is exactly what she is talking about. Um, and it's, it's kind of eerie and it's just, wow. I mean, I have always loved Sylvia Brown. I mean, I haven't always agreed with her in on a personal level, but I've always appreciated her. I mean, she's actually the reason why I decided to become a psychic medium because I used to see her on the Montel show. And after that, I just was like, wow, like we have this ability, we can do that. And so I worked my butt off to become a professional psychic medium. But I really appreciate her and everything that she was able to do and just to, you know, help to remove the stigma. Because whenever you mention the word, um, psychic, which we, we talked about this in my interview with Ia, um, she just had to, she had to lie about her family and where she came from because people wouldn't accept her and they made her life a living hell just because of who she was affiliated with. So just telling somebody that you're psychic, it comes with all this stigma and you get all kinds of reactions from people. Um, and personally, I've had the exact same experience whenever I am dealing with people or meeting new people for the first time. They ask me what I do because we all tend to ask everybody what you do for a living or what, you know, what, what do you do? And um, I always tell people that I'm in like coaching or, or I do um, like contract work online or something like that. That way they can just leave me alone because nobody wants to ask about contract work. Um, that's usually what I tell people. Now I've gotten so much more comfortable. I think in the last couple of years I've gotten more comfortable and when people ask me um, I just let them know yeah I'm a professional intuitive or I'm a professional psychic medium but I own it um, and it took me several years to own just telling people that I was a professional psychic medium so I can understand why she would go through so much drama in her career and her family as well. Her prediction went viral when Kim Kardashian reposted this tweet, leading to it showing up on all your social media feeds. There seems to be some confusion as there's another fiction book by author Dean Koontz, which talks about a virus that infects the population called Wuhan 4 in his book called The Eyes of Darkness. People seem to be mixing the two up and claiming that Sylvia took his prediction and put it in her book, but that's false. Sylvia's prophecy is all her own, and none of her predictions details are mentioned anywhere in Dean's book. What makes Sylvia's prediction so intriguing is the fact that it's only one portion of an entire chapter of prophecies she shared in her book. Once you hear the rest of it, your mind will be completely blown. Don't believe me? Order the ebook version on Amazon right now and take a look for yourself. I tried getting a paperback version, but they are completely out of stock. So check out the rest of the prophecy because I think your mind is going to be blown uh, almost as much as it was as mine's was uh, when I first read it. And I was actually really shocked because I have a lot of her books. I mean, I was a huge Sylvie Brown follower back in the day. And um, I never got this book because I, I try to stay away from books that talk about the end of the world um, because I don't really believe in the end of the world. So anything with the end of the world title on it, I kind of avoid. Um, so I just avoided this book because I was like, nah, you know, and also sometimes Sylvia is a little religious, too religious for my taste, even though she's highly spiritual 
spiritual and her religious beliefs are based in very high spiritual ideas. Um, but I just like to make, make up my own mind and kind of follow my own spiritual path. But check out the rest of the prophecy. The year 2020 will mark the end of the U.S. presidency and the executive branch of government. Let's just say the American public will finally be fed up by then and leave it at that. The legislative branch will essentially absorb the responsibilities of the executive branch with a streamlined body of elected representatives, an equal number from each state, forming the new legislature, which will be known simply as the Senate. The party system of Democrats, Republicans, Independents, etc., all will uncomplicate themselves into liberals and conservatives, who will debate and vote on each proposed bill and law in nationally televised sessions. Requirements for Senate candidates will be stringent and continuously monitored. For example, senators will be prohibited from having any past or present salaried positions with any company that has ever had or might ever have a professional or contractual connection to federal, state, or local government. And each senator must submit to random drug and alcohol testing throughout his or her term. The long-term effects of this reorganization government and closely examined body of lawmakers will be a return of legislative accountability and public trust, and state governments will follow suit no later than 2024 by becoming smaller mirror images of the National Senate. Among the laws that will be enacted during the Senate's first six-year term will be the flat tax tax bonuses for those with careers in the arts, education, law enforcement, and public service, national observance of all major holidays celebrated by all major religions, as well as a day of remembrance for Holocaust survivors, victims, and their descendants, neutering of all male and female pedophiles proved guilty by irrefutable evidence as a mandated part of their prison sentence, a public health system. Driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, even on the first offense, will result in mandated inpatient rehab and detox, and the immediate seizure and auctioning of the vehicle to defray the rehab and detox expenses. As for a couple of other topics of national interest, by 2020, we'll see the end of IRAs, mutual funds, pension and retirement plans, and yes, it's true, the stock market. And hard as it may be to believe at this moment, by the mid-2020s, the global image of the United States will be significantly rehabilitated. What's fascinating is that we'll accomplish this by shifting the vast majority of our humanitarian focus focus back on our own problems and their solutions. We'll evolve into a nation that inspires rather than invades and be admired all the more for it. So I just um, like, like my brain just like blew up when I read that because just reading the, the, the prediction that was being, you know, passed around social media, that was one thing in itself. But when you 
put it into context with the rest of her prophecy for that time frame, it is so connected to what is happening right now that it's just kind of, it's a little overwhelming to say the least. Now, I'm not going to say that I agree with all of her predictions or all of the details in her predictions because I have my own um, sense or vibe about things. But I will say, nonetheless, even the prediction and just the level of detail for this year with the combination of the prediction around the virus, that is just too much. It's like overwhelming for me. So that is why this is getting around and people are like, what? And they're like totally being caught off guard by this uh, prophecy because yeah, she, you, you, you may not have, you know, some people liked her, some people hated her, but when she was on it, she was on it. And in this instance, she definitely was on it or close enough to it. Um, but it's definitely something to look into. So I would really implore you all to go ahead and check out the book as well. So I really hope that the timing for this virus is short, and I do hope that Sylvia Brown's prediction is true. Uh, my sister, while I was in the middle of recording this, my sister sent me over a, uh, a link to a paper in The Guardian in the UK, where they're saying the UK coronavirus crisis to last until spring 2021 and could see 7.9 million hospitalized. So it's right there. You know, I really don't think that our country and the just the businesses, all of the businesses, all the people who are going to need to work, all of the um, countries and all the resources that are in play, I don't think that the system can maintain and sustain something for a very long time. So I'm really hoping that she's correct. And honestly, from my predictions, from what I've been seeing with my own clients, um, which, you know, like I said, I've been preparing for this since January. Um, so for me, I've already been feeling something, which I didn't even realize what I was feeling. Um, and with intuition, intuition is a tricky thing because um, there's a psychic sensing, which is the stuff that you do mentally in your head. And then there's intuition, which is something more of a feeling or just like you just start to take action or act in ways that you don't even realize why you're doing it. Um, and I've intuitively been doing things in the last few months and in the last year that when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> like I've been doing some stuff to prepare for this. This is weird. And so um, now when this has all begun to happen, I'm seeing all the patterns and all the consistencies there because I'm, I'm never looking for bad news. Even when I do readings for people, I'm never looking for, you know, the worst things that are going to happen in people's lives. Now, I will tell them if I see something they need to be concerned with, but I try to avoid like, hey, sorry, by the way, but you got cancer and you've got two weeks to live. Like I'm never going to say that to a client. What I will say is, hey, you need to go to the doctor, get your lymphatic system checked because because there might be some issues there that you need to address. And that's it, just to kind of give them that nudge. Um, but, you know, it's like, what's going to come from me telling somebody, hey, you've got cancer, you're going to die in two weeks. Like, that's stupid. And for psychics to be going out and saying that to people, that's ridiculous. And if you run into a psychic that's telling you you're going to die of cancer, get the hell away from those people because they are not considering the impact and the significance of their words. But um, for the last few months, I've been within my clients and my appointments, what I've also been seeing myself, um, just to kind of tie this into what Sylvia was talking about, was I was um, I had a client who was scheduled to go to Japan in March. And um, I didn't I, I told her I saw her going to these other places this year, um, but it was all later in the year. And um, she asked me, she says, wait a minute, like I'm supposed to go to Japan. And um, you didn't say I was going to Japan. And then I tuned in at 
I tuned into the Japan trip and I was like, I don't see you going to Japan. Um, I think you're going to go, but not this year. I think you might not end up going until next year. So I don't think you're going to Japan. I think something's going on in the region or in the area and you aren't going to feel safe or you're not going to feel comfortable because of whatever's happening in the world. So you're just going to cancel your trip or not go at all. So I've been seeing these little things here and there with different clients' readings. And the, the theme or the pattern that I keep encountering is that by May or late May, things start to shift or change again because June feels so much better. July feels so much better. And then by August, it almost feels like everybody's starting to get back to a place of normalcy. Now it's not normal like what we were used to before this all came about because this is going to disrupt everything. This is going to disrupt the food chain. This is going to disrupt businesses. I mean, hundreds of businesses, if not thousands, are going to go out of business. People's companies are going to go out of business because they are not prepared to deal with this kind of scenario. So this is going to impact a lot of people, whether you get the virus or not, a lot is going to come from this. And you are in some way or another going to be impacted. I was telling um, my sister that I felt that, that the tech tech world was going to be severely impacted because they weren't going to be able to manufacture some of the most complex components and um, technologies that they had been used to uh, uh, producing through the manufacturers around the world, China included. And so I said, we're going to see a lot of stripped down versions of technology in the next two or three years until the tech the tech companies get back on track with their timelines and with what they were going to be rolling out in the next year or two, because they usually do their planning like a year or two in advance. So a lot of different components and things are going to change here. But I kept seeing and I'm still to this point seeing that there's kind of a clearing or something seems to be changing around um, June. So late May going into June, it feels like people are starting to go out again, people are starting to travel. I'm not seeing that before then I'm seeing that after that. So for me, that indicates, okay, I'm hoping that she's right. And I'm hoping this is only going to go up to maybe May and then we'll start to see a drop off. Um, and what I was thinking about this, because I was trying to tune into the virus components itself, was that the way that this virus was engineered or the way that it was designed was that it was designed to kind of replicate within a large percentage of a population. And once it would get through a certain level of replication, um, and I don't know enough about science or medicine to even be able to know what the hell I'm saying, but this is how I see it in my head, right? So the way that it replicates is the virus creates these, uh, the, it's got a structure and it creates these protein sequences within the structure. And then once it replicates, it almost like mimics and then uses whatever it's kind of, uh, what the whatever material is at the disposal, which is the host body or the person, the cell, it uses that to re-replicate or to reproduce. And then it continues to, you know, multiply, multiply, multiply. But the way I felt is that this virus was designed to replicate and no Notice the keywords that I use, designed to replicate to a certain point where once it hit enough of a population, it was going to just simply completely like the structure of the of the virus would collapse on itself because there would there was like this weird thing where once it gets to a certain point of replication, it's almost like that protein structure or something about the protein structures of the virus um, seems to not be not to stay consistent or it can't keep itself intact. And then it just kind of starts to fall apart or the structure breaks down and then it just can't keep going. So I feel like at some point we're going to notice a drop off. Now, this is my personal opinion. This is not based on fact. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a medical expert. I'm not someone working from China. So this is just a personal opinion. 
um, based off of what I'm sensing psychically. Okay. Whatever decisions you make in your life, I don't want you to plan for, okay, well, he says that we're only going to be in this for two months. So I'm only going to be like prepared for two months. No, like, I don't care what I say. You need to just do the planning and prepare yourself to make sure that you have what you need, whether it's medicine, supplies, whatever. It's already happening in around the world. People are like, everybody should stay calm. People are freaking out. I'm like, do you not know what kind of world we live in? People don't follow instructions. People are going to be doing this. They're going to be doing that. You say, don't do this. They're going to do the exact thing that you say not to do. And you're already seeing it all over the place. And you've got people not taking this seriously. And you've got people acting like this is the apocalypse and this is the end of the world. So you really just need to be centered and use your fear. Use whatever you've got inside of you that is freaking you out or that is making you panic. Yes, it's great you know, that you feel that because it's an emotion and we've been given these emotions by a higher, we've been given these emotions by our higher self, by the universe, by source to help us in situations like this. This is that fight or flight mechanism kicking into gear. So when you feel fear, that doesn't mean you go running into the streets and acting like a damn fool. Take actions that are based in logic. Take some good practical steps towards whatever it is you need to do to help that fear settle down. And that's exactly what I did. I had that fear build up within me. One day last week, I woke up in like an absolute panic, which is weird because I'm like the most low chill key calm person there is. I mean, I used to run a Starbucks manager. I was a Starbucks manager and ran a store for many years. So, you know, I don't really panic that easily, but I was feeling it. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And then I just used it to tell people and to try to get into arguments, arguments with my family, trying to get them to prepare days before there was panic in the city and then Houston started to go crazy and they ran out of food in the shelves and stuff like that. So there's still shipments coming in. There's still supplies coming in, but this has all got to get coordinated with the people in who are in charge and the people who are in the cities who are having to help figure all of this out because this is going to be a coordinator's like nightmare. So a lot of logistical issues around this. Sure. And there are some things that Sylvia said in the past that did not happen, but this one, she nailed it. I mean, she got this one like down. So I wanted to give you guys more um, more feedback or more information because um, what you just heard that was um, actually the, the video, the Sylvia Brown video on my website, on my um, YouTube channel that I did last week. And uh, I thought, you know what, this podcast would be a perfect um a, a perfect reason to go ahead and share that video clip or that clip since you're listening and not watching it. Um, you want to watch the video clip. It's pretty cool too. Just head over to my YouTube channel. But the um, I, I wanted to give you guys more about my take on this and some of my own predictions and some of my own um, – uh, not just predictions, because I don't like to use the word just predictions, but my own forecast for what's to come in the next year, two, three years. Because I, as this has continued to progress and as I have been doing more readings in all of this, I'm starting to have these um, impressions coming up about different things going on that um, might be useful to know about or might be helpful to um, be able to share. So I'm going to go over, I like spent a little while writing these all down because these have kind of come into my mind um, over the last several days and actually over the last two weeks. So some of this information has been trickling into my psyche um, over the last couple of weeks and I've been writing them all down trying to keep track of all of them, but I just want to share what I have so far as far as what I'm sensing or what I feel is going to be occurring. So um, one of the things that I was 
talking to my friend about was I was telling her about the stock market and how um, there was going to be a change in the way that the stock stock market was run, um, which in essence, in my opinion, you know, in Sylvia Brown's um, predictions, you said that this would be the the end of the stock market. Um, to some to some extent, I would say I agree. But not in the same way that she is saying where there's like going to be nothing. Um, for me, what I was seeing as far as the stock market is concerned is I, I do feel there is going to continue to be drops with the stock market um, where we might start to see numbers that are, you know, as low as 30 to 40 percent of what um, of what the value of the market was before all this started. Um, I, I talked to my um financial advisor a few weeks ago and he said you know he he because the market was going down it was cheaper and if people wanted to buy in even at that stage it wasn't a bad idea because you would see growth there from a from a financial standpoint this is awful like a lot of people say well, you're talking about the stock market this is a pandemic like i don't want you guys to have this idea that i don't care about the pandemic and how people are i've already talked about that what i'm talking about now is the other things the other stuff that may come through or start to occur because of all of this but you know when we were talking about the stock market yeah i mean if you're someone who has money to burn you now would be a time for you to invest in the market because it's going lower and it's going down and it's going to come back at some point we don't know how long there is no idea um, how long this is going to affect the market as far as its growth and getting back to a place where it was we already know hundreds if not thousands of businesses may no longer be after this is all said and done and companies that we're used to seeing companies that we're used to um, having products from may no longer be able to operate so I think that this is going to reshape the whole um, the whole market and the and the 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 um the 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 buyer and consumer market i think this is going to have a huge impact on that but with the stock market i i what i was telling him was you know yeah it's such a 20 percent drop i'm thinking this is probably going to drop down to 30 to 40 percent because i'm i feel like it's going to go much lower so it definitely could go as low as that if not lower um but i'm getting that whole 30 to 40 percent vibe thing but something else that i was seeing around the market was that after this is all said and done that the government was going to introduce a kind of insurance policy or insurance plan around the market system. And essentially, it kind of is based around the value of it's based around the value of the, the way the current currency value system is where the government has, you know, so much gold or so much reserves in in uh, these these uh, products or these things that hold value. And so when you have a dollar bill, that dollar bill is meaningless, it's worthless, but it's a promissory note that says, you know, by having this dollar bill, you are you own, you know, a percentage or you are are bought into the currency system. So it's a guarantee. It's a, it's almost like a guaranteed note from the government that this is worth something. And they've got their, their stockpile of gold somewhere and God knows what else. So because this whole situation with the virus and the market going down so quickly is going to spook a lot of people who are going to want to invest in the future. What I was seeing the government doing was I saw them creating this insurance plan where instead of you buying them into the market directly, you would buy in through their their system, this program. And by buying into this program, 
it promises you it promises you a certain percentage value. So for example, like if you go to a regular bank and if you have enough money, let's say you you know if you and you'll notice this because for some of you who who don't even pay attention when you go to the bank, there's a little notice there that says your money is guaranteed or it's protected or insured um, up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So if you have you know. $50 in the bank and the banks fail, the government's going to guarantee that it's going to give you $50,000 back or $50 back or whatever. So it's you're, you're insured up to $250,000. And then after that, that's all you. So if the bank goes, if you have a million dollars in a bank account and the bank fails and they lose your money, the government based off of the system that they have in place now they're going to guarantee your money up to $250,000. After that, that's on you, but they will they will guarantee it to a certain amount. So I feel that they're going to do the same thing with the stock market where they're going to have this program that you buy into. So instead of taking the risk directly with the market itself, they are kind of the mediator and they and you you basically are buying from them and they're ensuring that the value that you buy into is going to have a percentage amount. Now, I don't know all the specifics of this program because this is just an insight um, or a psychic like vibe that I have, but um, I was seeing something like that. And that was going to help people who had money to invest have enough faith in the system to buy back into it so that they don't lose what they may have lost this time around. Or people who've never been in, in the stock market or never invested, they're going to see this and say, you know, I'm not going to put my money in the market. They're going to take all my damn money and it's going to go down the tubes as soon as the market fails. And I ain't trying to repeat 2020. So this is their way of saying, hey, don't worry, you don't have to buy into the system. And if you put in so much, we're going to guarantee you this percentage back. So it's kind of like cons helping the consumer confidence for the market. So I don't think it's going to be the end of the stock market, but I do think that the stock market itself is pretty much going to become, um, is going to become like a national institution where it's going to be based around other things and it won't be so much of what it is right now. So it's the same issue that happened with the banks and with a lot of these companies during the 2018, uh, 2009, 2008, 2009, um, uh, recession. So, or, you know, all of that drama. So, this is kind of their way of, of helping the system to recover. Um, another thing I was seeing is that tech was going to get set back by like one to three years because a lot of the things that these companies are used to rolling out, they just weren't going to be able to manufacture or produce quickly enough um, or in complexity because of the system being completely broken right now with where everything's coming from. So most tech companies, they tend to plan out like one to three years in advance for what they're rolling out. I mean, some of the companies, Apple, they're like three, four years already thinking about three or four years down the road as far as what they're working on. So what companies like that are going to run into is some of the products that they're used to producing because they rely on a global economy to produce some of those complex components. They're just not going to be able to do so, but they still need to continue to have products rolling out in order to meet some sort of demand in order for them to support and sustain the chain, the supply chain for their companies. So some of these companies that are used to producing like the most complex technologically advanced product every single year, um, or every single like three or four years if you're Apple, but every single year, um, what you're going to find is that these companies are going to be rolling out much simpler products and the cost is going to change as well. 
Um, and so it's going to feel really different for a little while. And it's just because they're going to continue to produce things that meet the demand or meet the need of whatever. So some of these older phones, like some of us who have the latest model iPhone or, or the latest model Samsung or whatever, those phones are going to become more valuable because they're going to be harder to get a hold of because there aren't going to be continuing, uh, continuing supplies for those products. I'm not saying that they're going to run completely out. They're just going to run so short that it's going to be hard to maintain that same level of technological advancement. So I feel that the this whole thing is going to set back tech the tech world for one to three years. Not only that, but I also think that, you know, like I said, what they sell for a little while might be a more stripped down version of stuff that we're used to. But also we're going to notice that there's going to be a huge, um, in the next few weeks, we may notice a huge um, change with tech where you're actually seeing like sellouts everywhere of computers, of iPads, of phones, etc. Because um, so many company, companies and so many of the workforce is switching gears and they're going into work from home, work from home, work from home. Um, some of them are probably not going to be giving people te- the technology that they already have. They're probably going to be creating or ordering new technology as it and, and sending it to people's homes or whatever. Like a lot of different strategies are going to come into play here, but a lot of companies are going to start buying out huge inventories of technology. You're have people who are forced to have to work from home for their businesses start to buy the technology necessary to maintain the support uh, levels so so that they can continue to keep you know their businesses running so um, i feel like there's going to be a run on technology so we may actually start to see a lot of shortages on technology as well um, over the next few months and not only that but also people who are going to be at home are going to realize that they don't really um they don't really want to um Yeah, they don't really want... Well, actually, back it up for a second. The supply chain changes all the stuff with the food all the stuff with the thing i think we're going to hit the peak of that by the end of this month or going into april so i think that a lot of the crazy supply shortages that we're already encountering i think that once we get into april it's actually going to get a little worse um, well i don't I want to underplay it i feel like it's going to get a lot worse because i think that the logistics are just not going to be able to be sustained and not only that but a lot of what's still coming into stores is based on warehouses that were full with products that were shipped and had been sitting there for a bit So now that those products aren't being shipped or coming over, a lot of these places are no longer going to have um, what you need. And so the supply chain is going to hit its, I think it's peak. And you're going to notice that there's just some of the more basic supplies that are still going to be produced or still be be rolling into stores um, because some of these other ones that are more complex or that whatever they're just not going to be able to maintain that. So I think we're still going to hit our, our supply chain uh, pressure peak uh, by the end of this month going into April. Um, I also think that, and what I was saying earlier, is that I think that a lot of companies, after this is all said and done, are no longer going to want to have their offices or no longer going to want to have their their staff and their organizations based out of places that require a lot of overhead. So some of these companies that before depended on an office to get everything done are going to find out, hey, it is so much cheaper to just run everything from home. Why do we need to pay, you know, several thousands of dollars, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars each month for places that we really could save the money on and use towards more more labor, more um, more people, more hires, growing the business, investing in the business, etc. So a lot of companies, I think, are going to start switching gears and closing down their offices after this is said and done and people can go back to an office. And they're going to see that there's money that can be made and there's um, they can advance themselves 
themselves by just saving on those on, on those dollars. Starbucks did the same thing back in 2008, 2009. That's probably when the glory days of Starbucks ended is because of what happened in 2008, 2009. Because before that, we used to have extra supplies because we didn't want to run out. We used to have extra staff because we didn't want client customers to have to deal with long lines or have to deal with um, not having their orders quickly enough and not enough people to get breaks and et cetera. So the company ran very differently um, back back then. And then once we hit that 2008, 2009, the company was trying to survive without laying off a mass, massive amount of people. And they decided um, to just trim as much as they could. So they forced us to work with less people on the floor. They forced us to cut our labor down, to cut our supply usage down, to cut you know waste. Any waste, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it, trim the fat. And uh, after the crisis was over back then, the financial markets recovered, um, Starbucks said, you know what? We saved millions and millions of dollars doing this. Let's just keep doing it. Um, and so then we started operating lean uh, in a lean way, which changed the entire uh, uh methodology behind the the company itself i i feel that's when starbucks really died is back in 2008 2009 since then it's just been another chain organization in my opinion you know that's trying to compete with other companies yeah they do a lot of good stuff behind the scenes and there are a lot of great people who work for the company but as a whole i think that that's when you know starbucks went into its decline as the the, the purveyor of the star of the coffee experience in my opinion and that's just because i work there <clears throat> but that's what I think is going to happen with a lot of these companies. They're just not going to want to put people back in offices that they have to pay for. Um, and also people who are going to like working from home or enjoy it are going to be big proponents of it as well, because that in itself is basically saying, Hey, why do I have to get up and get on the road for an hour when I can just get out of bed and save that hour to do exercises, to have better quality of life? You're going to have a lot of people who are going to prefer working from home. I'm not saying everybody's going to be working from home when this is all said and done. I just said some people. Um, uh, but there's a lot of people who are going to want this as well. So I think there's, we're going to see a whole shift in, the, in that uh, model as well, that work model. I also think that... Um, Company staying, let's see, I wrote it all down, so I'm going over what I wrote here. Company staying, home base, office building. Yeah, and I think that's also going to increase um, the, the in my opinion, the um, housing market and the um, commercial property market is going to change and take a big hit, specifically the commercial property um, market, um, real estate market, because I don't think it was prepared for this at all. And I mean, it, it, it's all individuals, people who are running their own businesses and, and development companies, etc. So you have all of these people who are just no longer going to have their their spaces they're not going to use them anymore and it's going to put a huge crunch on that market and it's going to be harder to maintain like certain levels um, in certain areas of town so what was probably a million dollars to rent out a space in one side of town when this is all said and done that may come down to five hundred thousand half a million dollars and not a million because i really think that that is going to take a big hit the housing market might not do as badly but i do think that the houses or the properties inner cities are going to suffer the most versus the properties in the outer cities i think the properties in the outer parts of the cities are going to be are going to see an uptick in purchases and buys because people who have gone through this who are going to see how much craziness was going on are going to want to move out to the outskirts people who are going to feel like i need space because if i'm stuck in a, in a prop in a, in a room i can't handle this um i think that you're going to see a lot of people moving to the suburbs and moving to areas outside of main city centers what that have acreage and have land so 
properties that are acreage and land um, based are going to be uh, popping. So if you are a real estate agent, you might want to start to look into that because if you want to weather this as best as you can and not fight it against every other real estate agent that's trying to get leads as well um, in the aggressive market after this is said and done, I think that's a good bet for you. Um, I also think that, and I hate to say this, and you know, when I look at the future, I try to see the good and the bad, right? I'm not trying to say all good, all bad. I'm not going to act like this is the apocalypse because I honestly do not think this is the end of the world. But I do think that a lot is changing and it fundamentally forcing us, pushing us to live differently, to examine ourselves as a human species globally, and to also um, also realize that we are not in this alone and we need each other. If we don't have each other, then there's a lot that can go, you know, we can, we can struggle a lot more. So for us to turn against each other is probably not the best idea because we're going to need each other at some point. Um, suicide rates might go higher. And that's what I was going to say. Um, I think that we're going to start hearing in the news about just people killing themselves and um, suicide rates going higher within like a month or two of this going on. And I think for two reasons, people who are not used to the level of so of social distancing or the level of self contemplation, people who can't deal with themselves or can't deal with being alone for that much time, I think are just not going to handle this well. And I think that we're going to start hearing about people who are just not going to wait, um, wait it out and, and start killing themselves. And I wish that that were not the case. Um, I am seeing that. Um, I wish that that was not the case. And it, it may not even be something that's made public, but you may start to hear th about these kinds of situations through the chains, because you're going to have people who are not going to know when this is going to end. They have no clue how long this is going to go on. And just the idea of this going on for at least a month or two, if even a year, I mean, that's a lot of time to be dealing with a situation like this. Um, you have to remember that during World War II, you had a, I mean, you had millions of people in prisons who were forced into situations that were just horrendous. And they were there for years, for years. And if they didn't die from the pain and the trauma and the suffering that they were going through, then they were gassed or they were exterminated in another way. Um, but people we're, we're imprisoned. And so now here we're in a completely different age, completely different world. Um, but yet we still have the same types of, of conditions. We still have the same issues and the challenges that go along with that. So younger people, um, especially I think younger people or people who suffer from a lot of social, um, a lot of emotional, um, disorders and challenges I think are going to struggle the most. And this is where this might start to peak or pop up here as well. So I do think that we are going to start hearing more about that. Um, and I, I just, like I said, it sounds really gloomy, but it is something that I saw that I just wanted to share. Um, so that you're not caught off guard or you're not surprised that you're starting to hear that. Not only that, but if you know someone who is probably going to need some extra, uh, interaction or engagement, like make this a time for you to just check in with them once a day. You don't have to spend the entire day with them on the phone or on the video call or whatever, but just check in with them, see how they're doing, call them and say, Hey, I'm here. If you want to talk, Hey, you know, or, and one of the best ways to just, to get people out of that funk is to give them another problem to solve. Because if people are sitting there just staring at themselves and just looking at how disgusting they feel about 
themselves or how much they can't stand the the anguish in the world or whatever, sometimes giving them something else to distract them is a great way to shift their perspective and give them something to chew on. And even if it's just like talk to, hey, I heard about this thing, you know, today, it's this, uh, it's this book, I know that you like this, you know, and it was a really interesting book. And there was this argument about this and whatever, like, just share the information, pass that on to them, because that may be a life saving thing for them. So just give them something else to chew on, because that might be enough to keep them going. Okay. Um, I do think that we are going to see a huge internet revolution over this where information and sources and facts versus whatever is going to become a huge topic and theme in the next couple of years, two, three years, actually. And I think that there are going to be a lot of laws put in place to protect the community, the internet community from situations that put them at risk. And I think it's going to be kind of a mandate um, that's either going to be worked through a, a government sources or going to be worked through the internet companies or um, websites, etc. But there's gonna be a huge push to make sure that information if it's coming from a factual source that there are elements that have to be incorporated in the article or in the document, if they're not incorporated, you can't rely on it, or it's just hearsay. So there's a lot of these things there um, that are going to come into play there. I also think that entertainment arts um all of that is going to boom over the next few years in an online way streaming way not so much with like networks and television i think we're going to see you know the the network um the network-based model where, you know, you have a show on television, people show up, they are in the show, and there's commercials, and they're selling their products. I think that is, has been on a kind of a, on a downward trend. I think they started to kind of come back up when they started to do more streaming-based um, services and all that other stuff. But still, just the traditional model for entertainment isn't going to be sustainable. So you're going to have a huge boost and uh, increase in the amount of people who are very talented or have something unique to offer and they just start to build that following um and and the following is just going to create brands around these people so some of these people who are extremely talented are just going to boom and blossom in this period and those who are not those who just are writing on their instagram feed looking like an art piece or their you know this or that looking a certain way or them looking glamorous or zhuzhed up or whatever that i think is going to start to decline and we're going to see a lot more authenticity in programming and entertainment coming from this as well so less fictional fantasy based stuff and more like real in the moment stuff that has more to do with like what are you feeling? What are you experiencing from a first person perspective or in that way? So a lot of these things, I also think that there's going to be a competitor to YouTube that probably will spring up during this period as well for people who don't want to use YouTube as the uh, tool for them to get themselves out there. So I think there's going to be a competitor that springs up, if not two, um, during this period that we may start to hear from. And we're gonna be like, "Uh Oh, YouTube better watch out because this company's coming for them. Um, I also think that um, in some places, I don't think this is this may not be the country, the whole country, but in some places, there's going to be some emergency bills that are passed um, to allow for relief of the population. So places that have certain types of restrictions on alcohol or places that have restrictions on cannabis use or whatever, it's going to be essential for states and for communities to, to recoup the losses financially from this crisis and this crazy time. And a lot of these 
counties, a lot of these cities, a lot of these states are going to start to pass these bills in kind of a radical fashion to increase the revenue that can be brought. So any way to make more money or any way to increase revenue forms and sources is going to, I think it's going to uh, begin to um come forward and you're gonna to start to hear about these weird like uh, passes they may not be in the next few months it may be this may be within the next year or two but i feel like there's going to be a lot more than what would have normally been and you'll hear about the states that originally it was going to take two two more years and then they just randomly or suddenly pass it in the year without really any prior notice so i think we're going to see more of that as well um not only that but i mean People need relief, and when they're under that much strain and pressure, people need a little R and R. Even if it's not R and R in the physical sense, but R and R in their heads. And of course, the people's go to R and R if they're not finding you know healthier ways to cope is by using alcohol or by using cannabis or using a C you know CBD etc. Which honestly, I you know I'm a huge proponent of using whatever nature provides for us using. That as long as there isn't, um, as long as the the cost isn't so high, using those things to bring relief to the to the world, bringing medicines and new ways of coping with stuff. I was just watching a piece this morning on the the TV, and they were talking about this uh, these brothers who owned a cannabis uh, business or industry, and they had started to produce CBD oils, and they had met this little girl, and they at first they had joined this company, they they became this company because they wanted to just you know create products for people to get high. But then once they met, you know, they started to see a shift in their trajectory or the, the, the focus of the business. And they met this little girl who was suffering immensely from a lot of uh, seizures and disorders. And when she started to use their products, she got better. And now she only has like one or two seizures a month. So it was a huge change for her. And now she's, you know, the doctors gave her less than five years to live. And she, you know, she's been around 10 more years. So she is a example of that. And I think that I'm a huge proponent of that and using whatever the universe has given us to use as long as the cost isn't too high. For me, you know, using oil and fossil fuels, yes, we still need it because our economy depends on that. But I still think that the cost in the long run, the cost of us continuing to operate off of this mode is just too high. We're going to have to get into onto a cleaner form of fuel that requires less damage to the planet, less risk to destabilization of our ecosystem. Um, so that was just my opinion there. Um, let's see another thing. Um, internet revolution, huge boost to online economy. Yeah, a lot of online businesses are going to spring up from this. You're going to find a lot of companies just suddenly springing up online. A lot of new uh, businesses where there may be a lot of focus on the exchange of um, services. Um, for example, like me, I'm a professional psychic medium. I have my own, you know, website. I have my own online services. Everything that I do is online, actually. So I, you know, more businesses like that. People who, you know, have never been in business before suddenly want to be or have their own business and so i think we're going to see a lot of that as well we're also going to see a lot of charity or um, online charity based uh, organizations nonprofits, and then i also think we're going to see a lot more of um, people who are doing love donations or donation based businesses where they provide a service or they provide something but they're receiving some sort of financial compensation from someone who wants to donate their money as well so we're going to see a lot more of that as well um Another thing that I am seeing, uh, I also think that we are going to see a lot more um, 
growth and people hiring, going to work for, actually we're gonna see um, service-based work, big hiring boost percentage. Meaning that if you're, you know, if you've ever wanted to be a firefighter, if you ever wanted to be a doctor, if you ever wanted to be um, um, a politician, if you ever wanted to be a civil servant, if you ever wanted to work for a school, if you ever wanted to work for, these essential service-based businesses are gonna be, go, go into like, overdrive with hiring people because they are basically going to be paid for by the government. Um, and there's going to be systems that start to link up a lot of the federal government and the local governments um, and helping to increase the ability to have nurses and doctors and first responders and, you know, police officers and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're going to see a lot more uh, growth in those areas. So for those of you who would like to have a different job or you might be forced to find a different job, that area is probably going to be a big area and an, an area where you might want to go ahead and apply to once they get themselves re reorganized and coordinated there's going to be a lot more money pumped to those services by mandate and by law so there's a lot more opportunity for growth and for you to find work there so that's another op um, situation that might benefit you if you're going to be looking for a job after this um, i also think um, that uh, there's going to be um, big push for ongoing federal government based pay. I think there's going to be a much bigger push for the uh, federal government based pay. In other words, people have been wondering like a thousand dollars a month. I think, uh, um, the guy who was running for president, um, I forgot his name, but, um, he was wanting to like pay everybody a thousand dollars from the taxes that are paid by Amazon and these other big corporations and companies. Um, and I, I, I and when I heard that, I was like, mm, okay, you know, I had to think about it because you don't just give people money and, um, think that they're going to do it to do best, the best thing they can do with it right <laughs> you want to make sure that if you're going to give somebody money that they're going to use it in a way that it helps them or benefits them if you give a thousand dollars to someone who suffers from a drug addiction they're probably not going to spend it on their food or on their needed medicine or on their stay at a um, at a, a rehab center they're probably going to go buy drugs with it if that's what it is because it's a huge temptation and it's not going to be easy for them to resist that if someone is used to gambling same thing so giving money people money is is not the easiest simple thing to do. However, there are ways of implementing something like that where whatever you get from the government is basically going to ensure that you're stable, that you're okay, and that your basic needs are met. After that, it's on all new. So I think that it would be more in a like a credit-based system where instead of just giving people money, you have certain credits that are allocated or go per towards certain things. So if you want to have a certain like health insurance, you get certain percentage of credits that are that go directly to that health insurance. And some of those credits are going to pay completely for your insurance. Some of those credits will pay for a partial uh, insurance plan and then you'll, you'll, you'll offset the, the rest of the costs based off of what you want. So I think that there's going to be kind of like a credit system that's going to come into play here. So it's not about just giving people money. It's about people having the ability to be stable and to sustain themselves with the amount of money that this government is being paid for by us taxpayers. Um, there's a huge push that I think is going to come from this. It may not happen overnight, but I think over the next three to five years, we'll start to see a lot more of this being actual reality and then us seeing a credit-based system that helps us with our basic elemental needs um, for certain things and services. So I see that coming in as well. 
Um, I also think that the oil part, um, I, for some reason, and I don't know why, and maybe because I have a lot of clients that are in Houston who work for the oil companies, but I feel like there's going to be some big partnership between Canada and, um, the U S or Canada, U S and Mexico, um, where it's uh, like oil based partnership. I don't know why though. And I was like, I don't know why the U S would want to partner up with Canada if the U S you know, has that much oil or is producing that much oil or whatever. Like now that we have so much and we can't even sell it because China is also not even using their own oil and they need a lot of oil to survive. But no, you know, it's hard to sell it to the, to to the market right now because no one's really needing it. The cars aren't being driven. Factories aren't running as well or as much. And you have, um, the need just having gone down exponentially so I think there's, and I don't know why, I, and this is, I, this is the thing I don't, I don't know. Sometimes when I tune into something or I see something psychically, I don't always understand the reasoning behind it. Sometimes I do, um, many times I do because I can see the structure and like what, why these pieces are together. But there are times when I'm tuning in psychically and I just don't understand why something happens the way it does. Um, and, and I, I, it's hard for me to, I, I can't explain it. And I tell, I'll, I'll be honest with the client. I'm like, look, I don't really know why I'm seeing this. It doesn't make sense to me based just based off of like what would be normal under, you know, normal circumstances, but this is what I'm seeing. And, um, that's, that's what happens. And, and people don't like, okay, for any, whatever you say, you know, you know, it's that, you know, I know you've said a lot of things in the past that have come true, but this might be one of those things you probably didn't get right. Or mm, for any, you probably didn't get this one, which happens too. I mean, it's not like I'm a hundred percent accuracy rate, but, um, and then people will come back and say, so I thought this was absolutely not possible. Um, and you'll, if you go to my reviews, you'll see enough people have said this over and over again what he said i thought was absolutely impossible i just like there was no way that's going to happen or he must have been way off and then it happens somehow so whenever i send something even if i don't understand how something can happen that's okay i don't need to understand how i just need to tune into the detail as much as possible so that at least i can kind of describe what it is i'm grasping or seeing but I kept seeing this partnership between Canada and the U.S. as far as oil is concerned or with uh, with resources like that. I don't know what that's supposed to be for, um, but that's another thing that I saw there as well. Also, another thing was the DNA database um, and emergency demographic communications program is what I called it. That's what I named it. I don't, name, I don't know if that's going to be that name or not, but essentially, you know, you've got a lot of people who've been doing DNA testing, trying to like find their roots and um, send their, you know, testing into to um, these uh, websites like Forever 23 and, and uh, or I'm sorry, 23 and me. I'm thinking of Forever 21. <laughs> I'm thinking of Forever 21. For, uh, 23 and me. And then also, um, and speaking of Forever 21, so the shirt, the, the white shirts that I wear every day, I got my... Um, I got my shirt, not from Forever 21, but I got it from H&M because I love H&M's, some of their designs and stuff. And, um, and this was like a really inexpensive shirt. And I was just trying to find stuff that was, you know, going to be, uh, not that, you're not that crazy expensive, but that I would be able to wear consistently. So people may say, Franny, you wear the same outfit every day. I'm like, no, I wear the same designed shirt every day. Like I wear the same basic type of white shirt with these like little like things on the sleeves there. And, um, so a few, uh, last year, um, I was looking for something that I could just wear on the camera because I don't want to think about what I have to wear every single day. That's me trying to minimize the distractions in my life, minimize the things that really I shouldn't be putting my energy into and focus on the things that really matter. And, uh, so 
I saw this at a H&M when I went shopping and I was like, I love that. I love that shirt, you know, and it fits so well. So I bought one and I got one that was a bigger size, but I, you know, got one. And then I went online and I ordered like 20 of them because, um, I was like, I need to buy a lot because if H&M doesn't make them anymore or they're out of business at some point, I need to have enough backup so that if I end up, you know, ripping one or one doesn't make it through the wash, um, then, then I'm not going to have any more. And then I'm going to be like, Oh great. Now i got to find another white shirt that I think I like a lot, um, enough. And it's just a basic white shirt. It's not like it's like a night, like a, like it's, this is not fashion. This is comfort and flexibility and just a representation of what I'm doing. So for me, this works. Um, you don't like my fashion too bad. You don't have to like my fashion. I don't need you to like my fashion, but for me, this was, this is what I needed for myself. So I bought 20 of these and then I, unknowingly bought like 20 of the size that was too small back when I was bigger. So I said, crap, I need these, you know, bigger size. So I ordered 20 more of the bigger ones. And I was going to donate the ones that I bought, the 20 that it was smaller that I bought because I'd already washed them and everything. And I was like, I'm not going to send them back, send them back. So I was going to donate them to someone who needed um, clothing, but then I lost weight and I'm like, cool. I've like doubled my stocks. I've got like 40 of these white shirts. So I wash them in cycles. So it's like every week I go through like the 20, but of course it, you know, so I only wash them every two weeks. But anyways, um, they last me and they're going to last me for some time to come until they finally at some point fall apart or whatever. But just that mindset, those little thoughts like that, that I had all last year and this year about, um, about something may not be around. I need to be prepared in case it's not. So that way I don't have to worry about, Oh crap, they don't make this anymore or they don't have this anymore. So I was already thinking about this last year. Now I didn't know at the time when I was having these thoughts and this intuitive push to do certain things, that the reason why was because of what's going on right now. I didn't know at the time that that was the reason. I just knew that I needed 20 of these because if they stop making them or they go out of business, then, and there was, I mean, there's been no news about H&M going out of business. I know I Forever 21 has had news, but not H&M, but that's the mindset. So that's your intuition kicking in and telling you like, mm, you might want to do this because of this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So another interesting thing. Um, and what I was talking about, the, data, the DNA database, because you're like, Fernie, you totally got off the DNA database. So there's going to be a lot of push to have everyone's DNA on some sort of system. Now, there's going to be a lot of pushback on this because people are going to say, hell no, I'm not going to give the government my DNA. I'm not going to, you know, that's privacy, et cetera, et cetera. However, something that we're going to learn from just this is that people who not everyone is going to be affected the same way. And even though we have a percentage of the population that is at the highest risk of getting the virus and becoming very ill that they need to be hospitalized, um, it's what they're going to start to see is that some people for some reason were affected that did not were not in the high risk category and they needed to find out why. And what I think they're going to start to realize is that there was a DNA component to this virus where certain people who had certain genetic markers were more at risk uh, in, in, to the virus. So in order to help people who are at higher highest risk avoid 
future situations where they're thinking that they're going to be fine and they're healthy and they're young suddenly get the virus and then go into, you know, cardiac arrest or whatever within a day. Um, I think there's going to be a huge push, um, to have a, like a national DNA database system. So for those of us who would be at high risk or who have certain markers that make us higher risk, we would automatically receive some sort of like notification or something that says, you know, it's like almost like the emergency national broadcast system by on your phone, but this would be like, you know, you need to know you are this statistic in this category, you are at the highest risk and this is what you need to do because it would help to delay the fatalities and help to reduce the amount of people that would have gotten, um, wouldn't have exposed themselves in the particular central situation, Not only that, but for future testing as well with the population, because our medicine, even though we have some of the most advanced medicine uh, systems in the world and technology, we're really not using it at the, and to its capacity to help the human race. Like on a personal level, yeah, you can probably go through cancer treatment and it's one of the most advanced tr- cancer treatments in the world. But what are we doing as a as a country? What are we doing, we're doing as a system, as a, as a um, world system to help better humanity's future health to help our, our, our kind with the best health, health possible. So I think that there's going to be a database there. Not only that, but it's also going to be a requirement if you're going to, um, register for the national health, uh, plan that they're going to roll out as well. It's not going to be like a Medicaid for all. It's going to be something a little bit different, but it's like a national health plan, uh, for, for certain bracket of, uh, people. So I think that's also going to kick into gear, but it's going to be a requirement to help with the statistics and all the analysis and also to help the medical community to be ahead of the game if this happens again. Um, I also think that the higher rate of like spam and hacking online is going to grow exponentially within the next few months as well during the the, the midst of the, the pandemic because um, I think that people who are hackers are going to have a lot more time to hack and I think that they are going to be using that opportunity to exploit if they are those kinds of people. So I think that we're going to see a lot more of that as well. So we're going to start seeing these companies um, popping up where they're um, like security, they're data security companies where basically like, you know, right now, like you can use Apple's system, the cloud, or you can use the Android system, the cloud or whatever. Um, I, you know, some of us use Dropbox because that's a different alternative system and you don't need to have any of those products to have that. So it's kind of like a third party. Um, but we're going to have these, uh, data protection services where it's almost like a go between. So for example, if I want to sign in to like, let's say a certain program or a certain whatever online, it's like an online thing, or I want to use like, let's say Facebook for whatever. um, And they're asking me to validate or to prove myself. I basically would have everything registered with this company that is like the Fort Knox of digital data protection. So they are like the, um, they're like the credit system, but for security and for, for validation. They basically validate our identity and we're either who we say we are or we're not. So if I'm going to, you know, if Facebook says I need your credentials, they basically connect with this company and this company's like thing, their, their stamp or their, you know, confirmation 
gives someone like Facebook the opportunity to go ahead and let us use their service without actually having to give them any of our data. So we're going to start seeing a lot of these data companies that are data security systems and protection services for people who just don't want to share their stuff anymore and don't trust companies like Facebook or like whatever to give data. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that as well in the next few years. Um, There is going to be a national free library system that is going to also, I think, come into play where um, it's almost like a national library system based on some of the premise of Amazon, but there will be like writers and people who are, it's so it's almost like taking Amazon and the old in walk-in library system, but it's all going to be online. And then also having, um, um, so taking Amazon, this, not the library, the free library system, it'll free and there'll be different tiers. There'll be the free uh, version of it. There'll be the, um, tier one, tier two, whatever, and it depends on the cost or whatever. But And then you also have uh, TED Talks. So TED Talks, Amazon, and a national library system kind of putting them all together. And so you'll have people who are writers who are going to be guests as you know online um, lectures and all this other stuff going through the system online. It's going to be incredible. I think that's actually be a really incredible thing and get people back into the art of writing as well. Not only that, but it'll also be based around the idea of, you know, if you're not a reader, you know, we can offer you a way for you to still get the information that's in this book, but in a different form, or there will be someone who walks you or talks to you about that tap to chapter or whatever. So there's going to be a lot more online, um, information and data and and, and book-based knowledgeable systems like that. So I see more of that as well. The last thing that I saw, um, and if I see anything else, I'll post it. But the last thing I saw was I saw the military also getting way more funding. And I saw that the need for more um, boots and more uh, surgeons and more people working within the military uh, industrial complex and well it's more of the military complex where the bases and the the uh, peace uh, peace corps all these different areas of military government where you have people there's going to be a huge push to grow that as well not only that but we're actually going to come to realize that a lot of the funding and money for some of these programs has been more focused on weapons development and on um sustaining and supporting systems within the government that don't actually help the country uh, except for the benefit of the military growing its power or the military uh, growing its influence in the world. So it's almost more of a, um, it's like, you know, instead of using the money that we put towards military to help us to strengthen the chessboard, let's spend all the money on this one chess piece. Like that's what we're going to realize that we're just, we're really centric and focused on that. So that's going to start to kind of pull back a little bit and a lot more emphasis on emergency systems, FEMA being incorporated or being in, you know, you, you, used or taken into the military complex. So all these things are going to be switched up a little bit. This isn't going to happen overnight, of course. All these things that I'm talking about, I think that um, this is going to be slow moving. Um, some of these things may happen really quickly. Some of it's going to take years. But I think there's going to be a huge push in military recruitment uh, programs and a huge push in that, but also realizing that we haven't done enough to protect and to help our own people, our own country, the people who support those systems, those organizations, and they should be the first on the list to be protected, to be helped, to be saved, not by developing weapons, but by developing self-sustaining support systems in the need, when the need arises. It's a big push on that. So 
I hope that has helped you guys out understand what I've been seeing, what I've been feeling. Um, I might be, I might do another one of these as I get more insights over the next few years as well. So, but um, this is just a start. So you guys have an idea of what might be rolling down the pipeline. And if you already see some of these pieces, then you have an idea. Okay, maybe he's right. Maybe I need to start looking at this as an option um, or hey, he said this. So maybe this might help me give me an edge or whatever. But I love you all. And thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, then like, share, and review my show on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and for more information about myself and the work that I do, check out my website at www.fernandomarone.com. Till next time, kiddos, and be sure to have yourselves a namaste. Thank you.